Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh. This is Bobby Okereke, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Um, all right, welcome to the Blue Stable Podcast. I'm Michael Peavy. He's Culture Shock. All right, we already know that already. Let's get to the, let's get to the meat and potatoes of everything, guys. We're not happy, are we, Culture? Huh? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Absolutely not. Um, this 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 was a pretty pathetic performance by the Indianapolis Colts today. They went down to Jacksonville. And get this. They flew all the way to Jacksonville to attempt to go for a touchdown and get shut out. That's what they did. That's what they did. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Uh, obviously, after last week, season opener gets the Texans, guys. Uh, oh, my Lord. Man, uh, 529 yards of total offense, and then you get to, I don't even think they crossed 200 today, which is, that, that, it's just pathetic. So y'all know how we, how we do it, man. What we didn't like, what we did like, which there was nothing about this game that we liked, so that's not even a segment on, on, on the list today. So let's, let's start with it. Uh, man, going down, you knew what was at stake, Marcus. You knew what was at stake. We've known for what, five months already, what the schedule was going to be, the importance of starting off fast, five division games, first seven weeks, all of them against AFC opponents. You knew you had to do something, and you come out as flat as a stack of pancakes, flat, just embarrassing. First, it was in Houston, and now Jacksonville. You couldn't block anybody. You couldn't even move a damn traffic cone on the offensive line. And that's what we're going to start with, the offensive line. Back-to-back-to-back-to-back games, horrible performances by the offensive line all the way around. I know people want to attack Pryor, and he did not have a very anywhere close to a good day. I get it. Well, I'll get to hear him, to him here in a little bit. But I'm not singling out anybody when I talk about these position groups, Marcus. What was, the, what, what was it about today, you know, focusing on the offensive line, what what did you see that they just couldn't do today when they're clearly more talented than Jacksonville up front, but they still couldn't do anything to save their damn life? Well, one thing that I said that they didn't do is identify the blitzer. You see Josh Allen moving around on the line. Obviously, it's giving you a signal what he's about to do, and nobody picked it up or adjusted at all. 
they were going to send pressure because that's what Jacksonville does. And we talked about that on the preview video, that they're going to send blitzes. So how do you not adjust to these things in, before the game starts? And you have veterans on the offensive line. It's like, how much do you want them to do? It's like it, the game felt like it was no communication at all. Like literally, no no helping, no swings, like no no upfront protection for Matt Ryan. And then you wonder why he fumbles or he throws a pick. It's because he doesn't have eyes in the back of his head. We knew that Jacksonville was going to send pressure. It's like, why can't you guys help this man? We brought him in here to be the quarterback for the Colts until we find something else. And now it looks like we're in the same situation all over again. Everyone's going to think, oh, Matt Ryan's trash. He's this, he's that. But he's trying his hardest out here. He's, four, he's almost four years old. He can't move. He's not mobile. So he's going to get hit. So it's like, I don't know what's going on on the offensive line. There's no communication. And honestly, it's the coaching staff in general. If you see a problem, you should make these adjustments before the game start, especially going into knowing what you're about to go into in a divisional game. You see these games. You're looking at film, aren't you? I'm starting to question if they're looking at film at all because it feels like they're not making any adjustments. So the offensive line, I feel like there's just no communication whatsoever from the offensive line and the coaching staff in general. I mean, five sacks, 11 quarterback hits on our 37-year-old quarterback. I thought I thought Matt Ryan was supposed to go and be in Indianapolis with the best talent he's ever had on the offensive line. That's what I said. That is legit what I said because on paper, it is easily the best offensive line he's ever had. Yeah, you had an Alex Mack in Atlanta, solid Pro Bowl center. You had a Jake Matthews in left at the left tackle position who went to Texas A&M who was drafted, well, about eight, eight years ago. Th those are solid guys. But you have... Quentin Nelson, arguably the greatest guard of all time. You have Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith. You have Danny Pinter, who you are high on. And you have a revolving door, it seems like, at, at left tackle. Nobody can block anything. They can't even get the run game going, man. They tried to get that going. And if you're Jacksonville, you knew they weren't going to have Michael Pittman. So you knew they had to establish a run game early. They could not establish a damn thing. They couldn't establish anything. So I'm sitting here thinking, what the, what the hell are we paying these guys for? What are they getting paid for? Like, I'm all for guys getting their money if they've earned it and everything. But God damn, what, what have they done in the last year? Quentin Nelson has not been up to par. Brandon Smith has not been up to par. Ryan Kelly has not been up to par. Danny Pitzer just, just got in the starting lineup. Matt Pryor is playing a different position than he played last year. What are we paying these guys for? If I if I was GM, Brandon Smith and Ryan Kelly would have already been gone. Already. Even if they have gotten paid, what are you paying them for? You, you have $180 million invested. Five sacks, 11 quarterback hits. That's what you're getting out of it? Don't get me wrong. Josh Allen is good. Trayvon Walker is good. But it wasn't even just those two getting down to the needy-greedy. It was not just those two, Marcus. It wasn't. So it, it comes down to the, to the simple fact that what are you even doing? What are you doing? It, it comes down to that. At some point, it comes down to just how much pride you have in your own damn job. That's what I feel like it has to do with it. Who cares? Who, who, who on the, I even asked it last week. Who on this offensive line cares? And I feel stupid 
even questioning a guy like Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, who's come from the University of Alabama, where their standard is nothing but championships and nothing less. Where is he at? Where? Brandon Smith came from Auburn. They played in some championship games. They've had high expectations there. Came here. Where's the standard? There's no standards on this team. Well, at least they fake the standards, but they don't hold anybody accountable. So the offensive line was trash today. They get a grade F. What grade are you giving them, Marcus? Uh, if an F minus is possible, I would give it an F minus. F mom, F minus, F will triple, F triple minus, F's all the way around. F, F's all the way around. Even if the freaking uh, Wesley French, he gets an F. Only because he's part of this group by association, okay? Because we can't get the French fries duo, that's why. No, nah, exactly. He didn't even dress today, but you know what? You get an F too, all right? Just by guilty by association, all right? If you consider these guys your friends, then guess what? You get an F. <sighs> oh, my God. I, it, it's it's The offensive line shouldn't be an issue. I, I don't even want to be like that overreacting type. The offensive line, by the letter of the law, considering how much money you have invested in this offensive line, it should not be a problem. What so damn ever? But consistently, Braden Smith getting his ass kicked. Ryan Kelly missing stunts, missing blitzes. Quentin Nelson, uh, he's kind of uh, he, he, he's a little bit inconsistent. I'm not seeing too many problems from him, though. I feel like the main problem... Quentin Nelson is catching himself in, is trying to help out Matt Pryor and Ryan Kelly at the same time. And he can't. And he can't. So really, I don't want to harp on Quentin Nelson, but he's part of this group. He's the leader of this group. He has to get everybody together. And what I'm seeing is he's always having to overcompensate to help out Pryor, to help out Kelly. Are, are you seeing that same thing? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, that's what I acknowledge to with the communication thing. It's like, there's only so much you can do, especially at left guard and you being a swing guard as well. It's like, okay, I can guard this guy. I can guard this guy. But you're going to have to, the, the help is going to have to come from the outside. Like the left tackle, right tackle, they're going to have to do something. Even the center, you have to do something. Quentin Nelson cannot play all positions. It's one person versus five or maybe six on the opposite side. It's like he only has two hands, so he can't block everybody, man. They got to step up, man. And if you see a problem, address it. Why are we rotating left tackles? We should be rotating everything because everyone's struggling. I, I just don't get it. I'm not a coach. I guess I don't know what I'm seeing. But obviously from the TV screen when it's 21 nothing, obviously something ain't working. I think we all can figure that out. Yeah, I'm not the greatest X's and O's guys, but I at least know 2 plus 2 equals freaking 4. <laughs> I at least know that. That much. So, I mean, I just hate the fact you have spent – you spent a – Top five, top six pick in the draft on a guard. You extended a center. You got a right tackle in a second round pick and you gave him $80 million. And for some reason, it is a problem. Pressure and protection is a problem every week with this unit. And it should not have to be. It should not have to be. So what are we going to do? We're going to get to two people later on in the show. I don't want to harp too much on that, but moving on along here, like we said, offensive line sucked. They don't deserve any kind of credit whatsoever. Quentin Nelson, you suck too, okay? You, you just by guilty association. It's horrible. Horrible. Whiteouts. Let's move on to whiteouts, man. Are we surprised? Skill position no. group. Let's just go skill position group. Are we surprised? 
Not really. Is there any skill there? That's what I've been saying all along. You know, just because you were D1 at VCU doesn't mean you can freaking run a drag route, effectively at least. I mean, come on. Come on. I've been trying to tell people, and I know uh, uh, Destin and Rashad, and they were always getting on to me about, you know, (laughs) hating on on Mo Cox, but days like this is what proves my point. Days like this. Where was he? Where was he? How many times was he targeted? He was targeted, what, I think, I believe, seven times, caught two balls. What what, what are we doing here? That's the, that's the tight end one that we prioritized in free agency, Marcus. That's the guy. Harp on that a little later on in the show. But just on, on the skill position, Marcus, t- talk to me, man. I'm going to give the floor to you, let you get in, get in on some of this, you know, uh, ass kicking here that, that, that we're doing on this team right now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, um, especially us knowing this since the offseason started, even like in the draft. Before the draft, we was talking about, OK, we're going to need another wide receiver because there is no potential here. Of course, we we got potential in Michael Pittman Jr. being a number one. But moving forward, it's like when you look under Michael Pittman Jr., all the other names, it's like, OK, they have potential, but. They're probably not doing much. I mean, you got Doolin that barely seen the field before this year. Paris Campbell can't stay healthy. Alec Pierce, why would you put all that pressure on a rookie? And after that, it's just Kiki Kuti who barely sees the field, but he can be a, he can be nice if Matt Ryan had a chance to throw him the football. Then you got Desmond Patman. Every Colts fan wanted Patman to see the field. He gets on the field. What does he do? Drop the football. Nothing shocks me here because the two passes he caught from Elliger. He barely caught those, so it's like, it's like, what do you want from him? And then the tight end group, Mo Ali Cox, tall, tall tight end. Oh, tight end, you. We got all these tight ends over six five, and nobody can be consistent on the catching game. It's just they have the mismatch. Can you not catch the football? What's going on here? And then you figure out, it's like, okay, Mo Ali's gonna have to probably help on blocking. So who else are you gonna use? Maybe Granson? Probably not. It's like we have all these options. Like I said, I'm not a coach, but in my mindset, if someone else needs to help on blocking, why don't you just get someone else involved? Coach Frank Wright's supposed to be this mastermind of offense. He should have figured something out by now. It's it's not that hard. If there's stuff in the run game, obviously use something else. We all thought Naheem Hines was going to have himself a decent game. <laughs> Couldn't find him either. So I'm like, I don't know what to go from here. I, after the second quarter, I was just like, yeah, we're probably not going to score because the offense is so one-dimensional. Since the offseason started, we've seen it, even in training camps, even in the joint practices. Nobody can create space. Still no moves and wide receivers and fridges. There's still talent out there, and I feel like they're not going to make a move because there's something going on in Indianapolis that nobody is saying, and I feel like it won't happen until the end of the year because I feel like we're probably only going to win three games this year. On the on this rate, it looks like we're only going to win in three games because I can't take this team seriously, especially with this receiver group. And it looks like they're not going to get anybody. Given the schedule, I'd be surprised if we even win three games. I'm I'm just we're we're just being honest, guys. We're we're just being we're just being honest. Let's go one by one here, real quick. All right, and and a, a ton of this, again, a, a ton of this is not on these guys. Uh, the root of our anger right now is not necessarily at these guys. We're going to get to the root of that here in a little bit. 
But let's just go one by one. Paris Campbell. He's been injured the whole time. Marcus, has he had any chance to truly work on his game without having to go to rehab? No nope. physical therapy. Nope. Nope. So what could he possibly get better at? His wife is on Twitter voicing her frustration. So now we're seeing a little bit of what's going on there. What did we expect? Been in and out of the trainer's room, and he hasn't had that time, that that practice availability, especially in the offseason, because he's too busy going to rehab, going back to the trainers, going back, staying in Indianapolis and working with the trainers. He hasn't been able to work on his game, route running, cuts, footwork, concentration catches, get on the jugs machine for an hour and just catch straight up, catch 300 balls in, a, in an hour. He hasn't had the chance to do that. So what, what were we expecting there? Ashton Doolin, he was our leading receiver today. Five receptions for 79 yards. Not a bad, actually a solid stat line, right? We appreciate solid, you. Solid stat line. But he's been a special teams gunner his entire tenure. He hasn't seen offensive snaps a lot. So really, what has he been asked to work on in the offseason? When he departs from the team, does he get a list of things to work on as a wide receiver or things to work on as a gunner? Which ones? And then he's your wide receiver too today. So this is the most action he's seen at the wide receiver position in his entire career. And already in week two, we're trying to put him at wide receiver too. Mike Strong, this is what we mean by there's a difference between preseason and regular season. Everything is vanilla, including defensive coverage. Don't we say that all the time, Marcus? Yeah, for three years now, by the way. For, for three years. Yeah. And everybody, Strong needs to be out there. He needs to be out there. Well, he's been out there two weeks in a row, and I haven't seen jack shit from him. I haven't. You want to you, you wanna know why? Because defense doubled down on that type of receiver. Doug Peterson knows the type of receiver Matt Ryan likes. That type of receiver went for nine receptions, 121 yards, and a touchdown last week. So he sees a familiar build, a similar build with Megastron. And you think he's just going to let let him get open? You think he's just going to allow Matt Ryan and, and Frank Reich do what they do? You think he's just going to allow that? You think he's just going to... The defense is just going to let those types of break routes happen? No. No. This is the difference between preseason and regular season. Your entire offense is schemed for. Each player is looked into, and a scouting report is given on each player, and they know your tendencies, your strengths, and your weaknesses. And they do everything they can to exploit those weaknesses, and that's what they did with, with, with Mike Strong. He was a rookie sixth-round pick out of Charlotte or a seventh-round pick. I'm sorry. And whole rookie year, he's, he's a healthy scratch. Showed some good stuff in preseason, so you had to protect him on the practice squad. This year, comes in injured. Hasn't really had a chance to work on his game in the offseason. Gets in training camp, misses half a training camp, comes back, does some good solid work against threes. Then gets into the season. Where did he go? Oh, gee, I don't know. Maybe because he's not ready yet. Maybe he's not ready yet. So I can't put that on him entirely. Desmond Patman, he's over here throwing his helmet at the ground for what? You're the one dropping the damn ball. 
You have no one else to be mad at but yourself. You're the one dropping the damn ball right in your hands twice. And you're yelling at Matt Ryan. You're trying to catch attitude with coaches. For what? They're not asking you to drop the ball. They're not asking you to run the wrong wrong route. They're not doing any of that. Guys who just aren't ready, Marcus. And that's not entirely on them because they've been set up to fail. And you want to know what's funny is before the season started, what did our wide receivers say? They said, oh, Matt Ryan, he puts it on the money every time. All we got to do is trust him. I remember that vividly. All you got to do is trust him. Listen to him. And it's going to work out. Even the tight ends. Moali Cox said that. Looks like trust went very far at the moment. It, it, that's what it looks like. It looked like it went very far. Yeah, quite a development this is right now. So that's going to take care of the offensive portion. Or well, actually taking care of, no, no, we're actually not done. Moali Cox, tight end one, right? I've been saying it for three years, Marcus. He's not that guy. He's not that tight end one that you need. Tight end two, I can give you credit there. I think he's that. Tight end one, non-existent. And I was actually wrong on his stats earlier. I thought I saw seven targets to him. Turns out it was three. So he wasn't even targeted at a decent amount. He was targeted three times. Three times, Marcus. Out of 30 pass pass attempts, I believe 41 dropbacks. He was targeted three times. Had to help on the blocking. Isn't he the tight end one? Shouldn't he, by default, with your number one and two down at wide receiver, shouldn't he get the most targets? I spoke on that. I said the tight ends group going to have to step up. They're going to have, and they didn't, of course. We legit talked about all of this. Especially, we talked about both, if Michael Pittman was going to play or if he didn't. We talked about all this. Another thing, Marcus, don't you remember how high Frank Reich and Chris Ballard were on Kylan Granson? Mm-hmm. Wasn't Kylan Granson a coach's draft? Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah. So you drafted him to do what with him? I'm just curious. Where's the usage? Where's the pre-snap movement? You're not doing any of that. Not even with him, because he's a more shiftier tight end than you usually see in the NFL. A little bit smaller, but it allows him to be a little bit more shiftier. Where's the scheming up for that? Where's the play designs for him? Where are the plays specifically drawn for him? Where? Weren't we given all this hoopla about Colin Granton when he was drafted, right? And then going into the season, you wanted him to be your tight end too. Two targets today, Marcus. Kylan Granson had. Mm-hmm. Two targets. That uh doesn't necessarily speak what Chris Ballard and Frank Reich told us 
when he was drafted. And then, let's not forget, we handing out extensions to guys we're not even going to use. Naheem Hines is literally getting paid to do nothing because he's being given nothing. Wasn't this guy ruled out for the third preseason game? Because you would think him and Jonathan Taylor, they're going to have a big a big impact on this offense, right? Where was Naheem Hines last week? More importantly, where was he today? Where were the play designs for him? No play that was called that I saw was specifically get the ball in Naheem Hines' hands. Didn't you give him, give him an extension? Didn't he work with the wide receivers in training camp? Wasn't he lining up in the slot? Where's the usage? Where's the targets? Where's the play designs? It's all non-existent. It is a complete dumpster fire on the offensive side of the ball right now. It is bad. Like so bad, and I'm not even trying to overreact because it's in the moment. This is the type of offense that lands you the number one pick in the draft. That's exactly what I see. So we'll talk about all that here a little bit more coming up. But uh, Marcus, let's shift sides to the defense. Why, why don't we? So the good old pass rush, man. The good old pass rush we've talked about. I've even talked about. Where was that today? Where was that today? Marcus Woods, at any point, do you ever recall seeing Trevor Lawrence having to get up from the ground? No. Um, is that what we call it? We call it pass rush? Mm, no, it just looks like people sitting on the line. Uh, that, that's what it looked like. Uh, they were holding hands with the offensive linemen every now and then if they weren't getting beat. Uh, but, you know, we would think that the people that we acquired in the offseason would, you know, have some type of impact, but no, it looked like he was playing for Jacksonville. That's what it looked like because Trevor Lawrence was so comfortable in the pocket. He thought it was a college football game. It looked like he was in college. Like, he wasn't touched. He went eight for eight in the first quarter. Like, and this is a guy who struggled last year, even struggled in the meeting we played him when Hurricane Dio got that strip fumble that we mentioned. But none of that was existent. The only person I will give credit to is Grover Stewart because it looks like Grover wants to actually win a game. And it's unfortunate that he has to get the scrutiny that we're giving the rest of everyone else because he's got to be in that same position as them because he's on the team. And it's unfortunate because Grover is actually playing really good football. And, of course, it's not going to get credited because the Colts are getting shut out by the Jaguars. So I think, you know, the same situation we've been having for four years now, even if you go draft a guy, you go get one in the offseason, it's still the same issue. You even change coaches. It's the same issue. It's like, what is going on? It feels like somebody doesn't want us to win games because there's no way you're telling me a pass rush that you've got built in the draft and in the offseason is not making any type of QB hits, Harry's, or anything. Wait. You said for the past four years? I don't remember us having a pass rush since 2013. Oh, uh, so one, someone quoted said that we was, uh, the pass rush is back uh, before the season started. Someone lied to me. Someone yeah. lied to me. So mm-hmm. like we did with the offensive line, Marcus, let's go to the resources that have been put into this pathetic defensive line. 
Sasha Grover Stewart. Right, Grover Stewart. Grover, man, I ain't even going to touch him, man. He's he's playing up to his contract, so we're not even going to touch him. Quiddy Pay. First-round pick, right? Non-existent. You're telling me you can't beat J.E. Juan Taylor? These tackles for the Jaguars are not good, guys. They're not good, but we're going to make people think that they are. Couldn't beat J.E. Juan Taylor. Yannick Ngakwe couldn't even beat Cam freaking Robinson. So now I'm starting to understand, damn, there might be an actual reason why this guy keeps getting traded. Probably. So there, there's Yannick. I don't think he won one rep today against Cam Robinson. I think, okay, I think he made, he won one rep. But Trevor Lawrence was just sitting back. In fact, I actually have something for you, man, because th- this is how bad, how bad the pass rush was. And this is a tweet from Michael DeRocco of ESPN. Per ESPN stats and info, the Colts defense pressured Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence on just three of his total 30 dropbacks, 10%. The lowest pressure rate Lawrence has faced in his career. The lowest. There are teams that I, that in my opinion, there are other teams that have worse talent on the defensive line than we do. And they had more than 10%. The team that they just played last week didn't even have Chase Young. No. And they won. No. They didn't have Chase Young. They didn't. They still won. Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. They, they were actually getting some things. They were winning those matchups. Montez, Montez uh, Sweat was beating Cam Robinson. Yannick Ngakwe can't? The hell do we trade for you then? Gus Bradley, you came in. I need a pass rusher. That is the one I want. For what? One for what? Is he good? For, is he your checkers partner or something? Is he your partner in bingo? What the hell is he here for? For what? DeForest Buckner, the man we traded a first-round pick for, gave $100 million to. Where was he? Where has he been the past handful of games? Where has he been? Not even just today. Where has he been, period? Can't tell me, can you? I I can't even tell you. Marcus. Some of it is a little bit of an injury. I'll give him a little bit of slack there. He has been dealing with a little bit of an injury. What did you see from DeForest Buckner? Because to me, I didn't see him win one rep. He didn't even give a speech as he usually would if we were losing. So, like I said, there's a writing on the wall with this situation. We'll we'll talk about that later when it actually happens. But if you're not 100% and you're already missing key players like a Michael Pittman Jr., like a Shaquille Leonard, like an Alec Pierce, you probably could have just sat this one out with them, especially knowing what's going on. I feel like we shouldn't even suit it up. We probably should have just had the practice squad playing at this point because it's still early, but, I mean, you get shut out by the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are probably a lottery pick. Is no point of you having your starters out there. And that's going to go into another conversation we're going to speak about later 
it when we move on to the next segment. But DeForest Buckner, like I say, he's hurt. I still love him to this day. I feel like he can have a huge impact on any other team. But as for the Colts, I appreciate him for, you know, walking himself into the city, loving Indiana. But as for the Colts as a team, we're just wasting his time. It's just simple as that. We're wasting a lot of talent. We really are. And that's not even all of it. Second round picks in Dio Dangbo, Taekwon Lewis, Ben Bandigo. Did Ben Bandigo even play today? I know he dressed, but did he even get any snaps? Probably not. So you have three second round picks, a first two first round picks because you traded one for uh, DeForest Buckner. I will count Rocky Sin as a second round pick because he was a high second round pick. So that's four. High round draft picks that you've invested in this pathetic defensive line that you you you've managed to build, all for what? For what? You you stop James Robinson on a second and ten for a two yard gain, and Tyquan Lewis gets up, you know, flexing. What the hell are you flexing for? You're down seventeen to donut. The hell are you flexing on? Flex on your other teammates. That's what you need to flex on. Get in the damn weight room. Do something. Because you ain't winning shit out there. What are we flexing on? 70 to 0. I don't know. It kind of it took me back to when Deshaun Watson was getting his butt kicked in the playoffs against us. And he's over here running the ball, getting up. First down. First down. You're down 24 to 0. What are you, you, what are you doing this for? Steve Smith even talked about that. But hey, hey, Marcus, at least we stopped James Robinson on a second and 10, right? At least we did that, right? Oh, that, that was before he ran for 45. And, that was, and that was before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So all, all this fake toughness and everything, I, I, I don't, I have no interest in it. All this fake tough guy stuff, I'm not interested in it. Can you win reps or not? And nobody's winning reps. Nobody. They're getting manhandled on the offensive line. They're not generating any pressure. That's what, that's what every single one of these guys were brought here to do, and they haven't done it. So whether if it's them, defensive line coach Nate Ali, who had very little resume to begin with. So again, why are you bringing a guy who has no resume whatsoever? Ball State, that was his resume. Assistant coach at New York, that was his resume. Wasn't even in charge, never been in charge of his own room at any level of football. Little league, middle school, high school, college, Canada, NFL, you name it. He has never ran his own room. Who's at fault? Let's get to the secondary. I thought Julian Blackman was not tested as much. Obviously, he had that really great angle play and coverage. I think it it could have been an interception, but I don't have too many fits uh, with him. Rodney McLeod, Nick Cross, I don't know what the heck they're doing out there. They're getting beat. They're not helping out in the run game. They're getting – they're just overrunning their their angles, man. They're not even in the run play. Face on linebackers and pass coverage mainly. It's what, it's what we were afraid of in the preview show. Jacksonville has gotten better talent-wise. Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, I think it was a huge plus. They got rid of LaVisca Chenault. Marvin Jones got Evan Ingram. They they improved and they definitely showed it. Pass coverage, it's almost like watching Matt Eberflus's team again. 
Where's the coverage? Where's it at? I can't blame Matt Eberflus anymore, Marcus. We can't blame him. So who's to blame? Who do you think's to blame? Oh, you know who we're blaming. <laughs> and another thing is, what's crazy is, we're going to talk about this right now with this Kenny Moore situation, right? So you're, you're Gus Bradley, and the scheme you're running has Kenny Moore in man coverage looks like a little bit more. Like, it's a zone, but you're identifying it to make it look like man, and he's getting beat constantly. This is two weeks now. And you have a guy in Isaiah Rogers Sr. now, that's his name, who is a baller. Like, he's probably the fastest corner in the room, hands down. You telling me he can't have a better game than a Brandon Faceon, than a Kenny Moore? You can't line Kenny, Isaiah Rogers, and Gilmore all up at the same time? It's, I, I just don't understand the logic that's going on with it. This Gus Bradley scheme, in my opinion, is worse than the Eva Flu scheme because you're getting shut out by the Jaguars. This is worse, literally. And Eva, I would give Eva Flu's credit, like I said. No matter how blown the coverages were, he still had this team as a top 10 defense. People feared us in certain moments. Right now, we're a laughing stock. Literally. You see Gus Bradley, you look at the film, you're like, this is who we going against? Oh, I'm finna go crazy. Every fantasy owner is looking at the matchup versus the Colts because somebody's going to go off. Literally. Quarterback, wide receiver, maybe even the running back in the second half. You're going to have a field day versus the Colts. Because nobody, not even Stephon Gilmore, is ho holding their own right now due to this scheme that I literally do not like. I don't like it at all. And you're not playing Isaiah Rogers Sr., who should be on the field. But like I said, if they are tanking, with which it looks like, don't play him. I don't blame him. Just, just bench everybody. Put in Sam Ellicott, see what he can do, because he can probably be the future at this point. I don't know. But the way this is looking, I'm probably not buying a game ticket to go see them. I really don't like it at all. I'm not wasting my money. I'd rather watch it from the couch. Barely. You know, man, I'm actually just uh, – this actually just popped in my head. I'm, I wonder how many points Jacksonville Jaguars defense had in fantasy today. I'm actually looking that up right now. 22 points they had. So, obviously, I, I was curious because when you allow zero points, you got to be having a bit pretty big day. So, and, yeah, I actually just purchased tickets for Colts and Cowboys in December – and I'm like, what the hell am I going to buy that for? Hell, it may not even be Sunday Night Football anymore. It may see not what even Cooper be Cooper Rush just did. <laughs> huh? You see what Cooper Rush just did. I mean, okay, so we we may be saved just because it's the Cowboys. We might just be saved. We, it may still be Sunday Night Football because it's the Cowboys. But if it was anybody else, nah, we getting, we, they probably would have changed it already. My thing with Kenny Moore is this. Man, I, I really got to be careful with what I say here. I mean, no disrespect. I'm trying to be professional. Does he care anymore? I think he does. But in my opinion, like I said, I think the scheme and what Gus Bradley has Kenny Moore doing is out of his play. Because I think yeah. my, my biggest thing is when he was in pursuit of that Pro Bowl, that Pro Bowl nod, we saw him playing on another level we've never seen before. And then when he gets announced as a pro bowler, his play falls off. I think he got complacent. I think he got stuck in his ways. He wanted that pro bowl nod, packed it up, 
and left. That's what I think. Because I went back. He got announced, I believe, week 14 as a pro bowler. And ever since then, his play fell off. So that's something that I would be curious. I, I would ask about that if, if I could, if I was in Indianapolis, if I was a beat writer. And then to your point about Gus Bradley using him, this was something that I that I never voiced, but I was always curious about. Those Bradley defenses, they never had a nickel corner. Never. Just two boundary corners, hybrid safety, one single high safety. You're playing two boundary, one hybrid, one single high, one nickel. You're doing that because you have to. You have to. You're paying him. You have to do that. That's not because Bradley's scheme. He's never had a nickel cornerback. Never. Go back to the Seattle days. What was that secondary? Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Byron Maxwell. There was no nickel because there was three linebackers. Bobby Wagner, Malcolm Smith, Bruce Irvin. Three linebackers, not two, three. And you're playing a nickel corner. That's something that I was curious about. How would they put that in there? How would they work that in? And what I'm seeing right now is it's throwing a huge wrench into Gus Bradley's scheme and what he wants to do, how he wants it to operate. Because we're going with a cover three scheme. C cover three with a nickel corner? With a nickel corner, we're going cover three? It was supremely short, by the way. Yes. At first, when we hired Gus, I was thinking like, dang, could we see Kenny Moore outside? And then the signing of Faison happened. I think there's the decision that has to be made there very relatively quickly. Relatively quickly. I think there is. And I said it uh, on the space. <clears throat> Sorry, I said it on the Twitter space that I hold every post game. If I was Ballard and Kenny Moore came to me about a contract extension and I saw how he played ever since he got that Pro Bowl nod, I would have traded him within a week. That's what I would have done. I think that's what should have been done. Because whenever you see a guy work so hard for some type of recognition notoriety and then that play falls off, very quickly you're going to realize he doesn't do anything for you anymore. So I think a decision on Kenny Moore needs to be made and it needs to be made quick. I I'm not going to go as far as to say I don't see him being a Colt by the end of the year because he he's a Chris Ballard guy. He he was um claimed by Chris Ballard. He's seen him grow. Could be a loyalty thing, but the best thing for Chris Ballard to do, I believe, is to release or trade Kenny Moore. That's what I think he should do. He got a lot of that to go on. It's not just Kenny Moore. <laughs> I I think Kenny Moore is the biggest one that needs to go right now. If I had to rank, if I put a list together, top 10 guys that I would cut today or trade today, Kenny Moore's at the top of that list. Are you getting a left tackle for him? But the season might be uh, already over, so. Yeah, left tackle, left tackle. I haven't, 
I haven't necessarily gotten a look at the left tackle class this next free agent period because, I mean, at this point, I'm, I don't think we're thinking left tackle. I think we need to be thinking quarterback. Uh, if we're going down this this uh, style. So other than that, that's where I think uh, it could end up. And if I was Chris Ballard, I would make that decision. I would make that decision to either cut or trade Kenny Moore. So 